Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church podcast, and thanks for joining us for this episode. Before we begin, please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd like to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship this week at Grace Baptist Church. We'd also love to connect with you online at gracekettering.org. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy the episode. Let me have you turn to Joshua chapter 24. Joshua chapter 24. Very common verse. Matter of fact, most of you, if not all of you, probably have a wall hanging in your house that references this particular, this particular verse. But in Joshua chapter 24, we, we see a challenge. We see a challenge from a leader that was ready to transition and step down. Joshua says in verse 14, he says, Now therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt, and serve ye the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. And say this, this particular phrase in this verse with me, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Every one of us probably feels that way. I mean, we're in church tonight, right? And uh, we will serve the Lord. It's really easy to say that in the church house. But we also need to live that out in the world. If I was to put a, a title on this particular message tonight, it may actually sound a little controversial, Pastor, and it would be God's will, a matter of my choice. Sounds kind of proud, doesn't it? Kind of boastful. God's will, a matter of my choice. How do you know God's will? We've been faced with this, and I'm going to kind of expedite a little bit. We've been faced with this recently with just God's will about who's going to do this ferry flight on the airplane over to Cameroon. Um, I've often referred to... Um, when I've challenged young people how to find God's will, and most recently I've got a note that I've got to respond to a young man who's uh, seeking the Lord's will right now. But, you know, I'm from Arkansas. I'm kind of I'm simple. I, I, I think real simply. I don't mean that degradingly, but, but just black and white. You know, first of all, is it right to do? Do what you know is right to do today. We know that's God's will. And uh, we may not know a year from now, a month from now, but I know I've got to do right today. Jason, you got to obey your mom and dad. That is God's will for you. We know that. And, um, you know, at work and just being ethical, we know to do right. But as we look at God's direction in our lives, you know, we, we find circumstances. Adam and Eve didn't have a choice of their, their family, where they were going to be born. Matter, matter of fact, they weren't even born. 
But uh, they didn't have a choice. You and I did not have a choice. I mentioned to Jason earlier, I didn't have a choice what family I was going to be born in. That was just a circumstance. That circumstance directed my life. I was born as a Jason. I was adopted and named Terry and, uh, and raised in a family and a home that loved me. It was very circumstantial, beyond my control. And we have things in our lives that, you know, we just don't, don't get frustrated at those things. You know, when you have a flat tire, that's kind of beyond your control. You're not just going to keep driving. Well, you could keep driving, but it's going to cost you a whole lot more if you do. But you can't direct that circumstance. That comes to you. You know it's God's will. You know, maybe God has a reason for you getting a flat tire. You might meet somebody that you wouldn't have met otherwise. You know, there's another way to, to look for God's will, and that's the, the counsel that we find, particularly with young people, you know, with your parents. Seek your parents' counsel. I'm 55 years old. I still ask my dad because I respect him. I honor my father. And I respect what he says. And uh, so ask counsel. There's pastoral counsel. There's counsel from your peers. Although we've learned from Solomon, we have to be careful about that, about taking your, your peers' counsel. But with those who care about you, you can offer that counsel. But then you also have your conscience. You know, between you and God, what does God want me to do? And uh, maybe God is leading some of you or challenging you about going to Grenada. And uh, going on a mission trip, I would absolutely encourage you to take that mission trip if, if that was a, a question. You know, open, walk through that open door that God gives you. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And that could be taking that mission trip. So God directs in those circumstances, directs in the counsel that you're given, and God directs in the conscience between you and God's word and listening to the Holy Spirit. Joshua here, when he challenges the children of Israel, he gives them some very clear direction. He says, first of all, in verse 14, he says, fear the Lord. This instruction to fear the Lord, yes, to respect him and to reverence him, but, but parents, we want our children to fear us, right? We kind of want them to, to fear the consequences of disobedience. We need to fear the consequences of disobeying God. That's real. Yes, we're to reverence God, and that, sound, that sounds good, and it is. But the Lord chastens those he loves as a father chastens his children. We should have that fear of the Lord as well. And then he says to serve the Lord, to serve the Lord. Lots of people do lots of service in the name of, in the name of religion and in the name of of Christianity. But here Joshua defines that a little tighter. He says to serve the Lord, but to serve the Lord in sincerity and in truth. And uh, I'm not telling you anything you don't know, but I'm trying to reinforce this. We need to be very, very sincere in our service of the Lord. None of us likes a hypocrite. None of us likes a Pharisee. None of us likes just uh, someone who who just gives a, a spit in the wind about it and and, and not, um, doesn't give it all their heart. We need to serve the Lord in sincerity, but it needs to be in truth as well. You can be sincerely wrong. 
We see that all over the place. You go all around Kettering and Dayton, you see churches, and I'm not going to call names and all, but there's lots of people who do things in the name of religion, but they're not true. They're not according to, to Scripture. We need to be able to, to, uh, to focus our call on what God is, has laid out in the Scripture in sincerity and in truth. And then he says to put away the false gods. So Joshua gives this, this challenge to the children of Israel. But if you look in verse 15, it's very interesting here. He doesn't just give that challenge, but he also gives them a choice. So when I say God's will, it's a matter of my choice. It's not that I'm telling God what his will is for me. It's whether I choose to follow what God has chosen, has, has given me to do. I can choose to do right. I can choose to do wrong. What have we chosen to do today? We have a choice. And then Joshua here, very clearly, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. The, um, I want to scooch forward just a little bit. My wife's smart. Have you, ever, have you ever heard that word scooch? You ever heard that? Some people say, why do you say that? Because I'm, I'm going to move ahead just a little bit more. I'm going to scooch. I think of a little toddler on the floor scooching along. But you preached a little bit of my message this morning, Pastor Kagan, about the demoniac of Gadara. I want to talk, first of all, in Mark chapter 10. Let's just turn to Mark chapter 10. And this is going to be the cliff notes of a longer message. But we see two different people in Mark 10, and then we see the demoniac of Gadara. In Mark chapter 10, we see the rich young ruler in verse 17. It says, And when he, Jesus, was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him, saying, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. And then we see over in verse 21, Jesus, we know that Jesus knew his heart. And in verse 21, it says, And Jesus, beholding him, loved him. This made a real impression on me when I, when I was studying for this particular message years ago, how that Jesus knows our heart. He knows the decisions we're going to make. He knows when we're going to trust him and run for him. He also knows when people are rejecting him. And still, Jesus chose to love him, even though he was going to reject them. You know, that's why Jesus died 2,000 years ago, because he loved us. He could see ahead. He could see me. He could see you. And Jesus loved them. And then he told this man to go your way. And the man did. He went his way. He made his choice. And his choice was to go his own way, not Jesus' way. Later in Mark chapter 10, you see blind Bartimaeus. That was along the way where Jesus was walking and blind Bartimaeus was calling out to Jesus and, uh, and saying, Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus here in verse 51 said unto him, What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? The blind man said unto him, Lord, that I may receive my sight. In verse 52, Jesus told this blind Bartimaeus the same answer that he told the rich young ruler early in the chapter. He said, Go thy way. And then he says, thy faith hath made thee whole. 
And immediately he received his sight. And then what did he do? He followed Jesus in the way. The rich young ruler went his own way. Blind Bartimaeus followed Jesus in the way. And then we go to Luke chapter 8 to pick up where uh, Pastor Kagan was preaching this morning. We see how that the demoniac of Gadara trusted Jesus. He was in his right mind. He was clothed and he was, he was wanting to be with Jesus. In verse 38 of Luke chapter 8, we read, Now the man out of whom the devils were departed besought him that he might be with him. That describes me and you, or it should. We should want to be with Jesus. We should want to spend that time with him in our devotions, in our prayer life, in the house of God with, with other uh, believers and, and fellowship, and we should love our family. We should want to be together. Where two or three are gathered, Jesus is in the midst, and this demoniac wanted to be with them. But in verse 38, Jesus, it says, sent him away. That's a little different than he told blind Bartimaeus. Blind Bartimaeus went with Jesus. But here Jesus told the demoniac, go your way. And then he says, return to thine own house and show how great things God hath done unto thee. And he went his way. He made his choice. He made his choice to take that God to his house. You and I have a choice at Grace Baptist Church tonight. I don't know what God is working in your heart. I have no idea how God is leading you. Your pastor does, or maybe he doesn't. Maybe in your own doors you feel like God is calling you either to, to be a missionary, to be involved, and to sign up with Brother Washer with the prison ministry. I'm excited about that. Or maybe to go to Grenada with Brother Patterson, or, or maybe making a choice whether to support Brother Esienko. I already mentioned that. He's got my vote. And because uh, I appreciate what he does, and I know his heart. Did I say this morning I was actually there in Prince Albert, Saskatchewan, when Will had his accident, his life-changing accident? I've seen that change. I've seen him grow, and uh, I'm excited about it. Each one of us tonight have a choice. Those of you on live stream, I don't know your heart either. But if you're here tonight and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you have a choice. You will make a choice. No choice is a choice. Remember that. I trust that you'll choose to follow Christ as your personal Savior. Believers, you have a choice to do what the demoniac did, to take the gospel to your own family. And uh, it doesn't always mean you're going to go to a foreign field. But it does mean that we should take the gospel. I want to end tonight with a, um, a reading from a missionary biography that... Um, it was written by a missionary back in the 50s, I think 50s and 60s, maybe 50s. His name was Gleason Ledyard. You ever heard that name, Will? He was a missionary in the Arctic and um, had an airplane, um, ministered to the Eskimos. When we talk about 
taking the gospel to remote areas, like with aviation. Missionary aviation is often, seems like sometimes a waste. It's a lot of money, a lot of effort to go to a few people. I even had one, uh, one church that we presented the ministry in. They said, well, why, why do that? Why don't you just bring the people to the, to the bigger areas? You know, isn't it kind of a waste? Wow. He writes here, he said, Times are a-changing at a terrific rate for this race of people who are less, who number less than an average medium-sized city. Not only is there a change in economy, but culture and living conditions are not as they used to be years ago. Eskimo, every Eskimo knows something is happening in his land. His natural food source supply is gradually failing. More airplanes are using his skies for their airways. More white men are moving into his land for various reasons. And yet, he is trapping for a living and hardly keeping above starvation level at most of the times trying to maintain his family. Incidentally, I have had the, the honor of, of traveling up into the remote areas of the Arctic to a village called Aklavik. You see a license plate out on the table, been to Rankin Inlet to, to help a missionary there and uh, on the Hudson Bay with the Eskimo people. Said so the most question, the most the question most often asked is why don't the Eskimos move away from the cold, cruel land to a warmer place where they can make a better living? Fair question. The best answer for that question is found in the book of Acts, chapter 17, verse 26, that says, And he hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. He writes here that God has designed the Eskimos to live like Eskimos in Eskimo country. To take them from their native environment would be like taking an Arab from the desert to the swampy jungles, or taking the jungle native to the burning sands. They want to live in their native land. The need of the world is the gospel in Jesus Christ. Eskimos are no exception. Christ is the answer to any man's need. He is the answer to the need of a nation. Only believing and turning to Christ is the answer to the Eskimos' problem. A house built upon a rock cannot fall, neither will a race of people whose foundation is Christ suffer loss. Education is not the answer. Better living conditions are not the answer. A steady source of income is not the answer. Sin works havoc in the heart of men regardless of any or all of these things. Only a change of heart, conversion, faith in Christ can prepare men for eternity and for right living in this life. That book was titled, And to the Eskimos, almost as a second thought. Missions has that same idea. We're taking it, and to the Eskimos, and to the Cameroonians, and to the Kenyans, and to the Canadians, and to the Mexicans, and to the Gren Grenadians, Grenadines, 
How do you say people in Grenada? The gospel's going to them. And to the people in Kettering. I don't want to stand up here tonight painting a picture that message is just all about the uttermost. It's also about the Samaria and the Judea and the Dayton and Kettering area. One last anecdote and then I'll be done. The first time I came here to, to Grace, I, uh, somebody asked me to pick up a mug at Starbucks. And uh, I don't know if you remember me rehearsing this. First time I met you over here, Pastor Kagan. But So I did. I went down to the Starbucks across the street from Tim Hortons just down the road here, and I picked up a mug. I walked into the, I walked into the store, and one of the uh, baristas, one of the employees, was behind the counter singing, Jesus loves me. Let that sink in. Let that sink in. Jesus loves me behind the counter in Starbucks. I had an occasion to, to talk to the, to the young man and uh, try to witness to him. I think it was the influence of his grandmother. I don't think he was, I think he was mocking, you know, just kind of um, kind of for fun, singing that Jesus loves me. But the Lord allowed me to, to speak to him, and uh, his name was Caton. I don't know that I'll ever meet him again. I'm not planning to go to Starbucks. Maybe I should and see if he's there. But after that, um, I asked a lot of people to pray for Caton from Dayton. Caton <laughs> and Dayton. And uh, the whole point of that, that story, though, is that you've got people right here that need the gospel. You're a missionary. The sign... Right when you drive out of the driveway, what does it say? You're now entering the mission field. When you drive out of the driveway, and it's so true. And uh, God's just real. He's reasonable. The gospel is there. Make sure we take it. Acts 28, 28, and they will hear it. But we have to speak it for them to hear it. Pastor, Lord, I thank you for your goodness to us. I thank you for your word. And Lord, I don't stand up here with any grandiose or deep thoughts other than the fact that you've called us to take the gospel to a lost and dying world. And we need to choose whom we will serve and uh, to be that missionary. Thank you, Lord, for Jesus and for giving us a reason to, to breathe another breath or so that we might preach to all the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To learn more about Grace Baptist or how to have eternal life, visit gracekettering.org. And remember, you are always welcome at Grace Baptist Church.